Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. What does Times Square look like? Bunch of lights. Looks like daytime, no matter what time it is. What does it sound like? There are noises 24-7. Alarms, people yelling at you. Uh, music playing from different shops. What does it smell like? Uh, exhaust, uh, street meat, a bunch of different colognes and perfumes mixing together. I have to admit, I don't really like Times Square. That was me just two days ago. But this is me two hours ago. All right, I have to be honest with you. I love Times Square. There's great bars, solid food, and there is always weird shit happening. Oh God, sorry, no, it's my fault. If you look inside of the crystal, you, you will see this game of colors. Okay, yeah. Can you imagine inside of, it's all in crystal. That's pretty cool, right? It's crazy. Sizzle. Good. You teach this chicken is good? You coming back for me, okay? Yeah. I got in the front page of all the newspapers, New York Daily News, New York Times, for having a scuffle with the Times Square Cops got on the Stephen Colbert report and the TMZ and everything. Yeah? Yeah. There was a lot of blood yesterday. I'm just saying, there was a lot of blood. Uh-oh. Times Square didn't change over the past 48 hours, but I think I actually did. I had two days filled with towering neon screens, more than a few midtown drinks, and one surprisingly competitive public chess match. When you sit down in the gentleman's activity of war, chess, you're the best. They will destroy you. Ah! <laughs> I found an actual neighborhood hidden inside all the kitsch and chaos of Times Square. There are a lot of people that look like hired assassins here. And it's a surprisingly great place to spend time. Meow. Well, I'd say New Yorkers traditionally hate Times Square because, I mean, in a way, it's amateur hour for New York because you have to deal with that magical, wondrous energy that someone might be feeling. We're just trying to get to that block or get to work. I don't have the time and energy to deal with your, um, you know, Pollyanna bullshit. This is Taeyoon. He's from Flushing, Queens, which is about 10 miles east of Times Square. But as Thrillist New York editor, Tay basically spends his working life recommending things to do in New York. And despite not having time, rightfully, for your Pollyanna bullshit, he does actually like Times Square, especially right now. With tourism down, Times Square isn't as crazy as it used to be. Even if I'm in Midtown nowadays and if I've had a few drinks and, you know, if I'm not ready to go home yet, 
I won't lie. I'll end up at Times Square like at one in the morning just to sit by myself and soak it in. I have nothing but respect for Times Square, and I think a lot of people have you know this evolving relationship with it,、uh, just like they might do with New York, where you know one day you love it, another day you hate it,、uh, another day you can't imagine yourself living somewhere else. I started this conversation with Tay, trying to find a neighborhood in New York City to cover for our show, and the fact that he brought up Times Square was, frankly, a big surprise. Times Square is called the crossroads of the world for a reason. It's the most chaotic, overstimulated, packed to the gills portion of a city that's essentially already swarming with chaos. Okay, let's count how many people are taking selfies right now. One, two. Three, I think. Well, no, yep.、Three. Oh, she's facetiming. Four. It's gone through many ups and downs, but it's always, in many ways, been the center of the city. A city that never sleeps. Its spinning tempo carries on into the dawn. New York, the Wonder City. The crown jewel of Times Square is a bowtie-shaped pedestrian area from 42nd to 47th Street between Broadway and 7th Avenue, right in Midtown Manhattan. And strolling through, you'll see a canyon of blazing screens with towering supermodels in this season's new sweaters, right next to an actually giant Jolly Green Giant. You'll notice a store dedicated to M&Ms, an enormous H&M, and the world's biggest and arguably nicest Olive Garden. You'll bump into street performers, tour bus hawkers, knockoff Elmos and Elsas, and for anyone from the '90s, you'll also see where they used to film TRL. You remember that? In the history of MTV, I've never seen anything quite like it. Times Square is the show that never ends. Every 45 seconds, Times Square changes, and I say 45 seconds because that's about the time it takes for a person to walk one block in Times Square. So every 45 seconds, there's a new、uh, cast of characters、uh, in this greatest show. That's Tom Harris. He's the president of the Times Square Alliance. It's his job to promote and maintain Times Square as a global destination, and he loves it here. Times Square is 0.1 percent of the land mass in New York City. We are 15 percent of the economic output for New York City. We really are the economic engine of. The city, and last week, over 1.6 million people walked through Times Square.、Uh, so that is symbolic of our resolve and our recovery from this pandemic. Someone once said to me, "When is Times Square going to return to normal?" And I said, "Normal is boring. Times Square is never normal. Times Square always rediscovers, reimagines itself, and it's a place where you never know what to expect." In the 1800s, it was called Longacre Square. Then the New York Times moved in, and it became Times Square. But over the past 50 years, it's transformed from a sketchy hub of vice to the city's center of tourism. Surrounded by the always popular theater district, aka Broadway, and probably most famous globally for the annual New Year's Eve ball drop. I've been going to Times Square my entire life, but I've never really dug any deeper than an occasional trip to the Wax Museum or maybe Dave and Buster's. So I wanted to dedicate a few days to really spending time in Times Square, to look beyond the souvenir shops and Bubba Gumps 
to find the real people in the square. And to start, what better litmus test for exploring a neighborhood than embarking on a night of romantic dinner and drinks, right? So Keller, uh, Friday night, date night in Times Square, the rum house? Is this a date? I think it's a date, I don't know. Oh, I didn't wear my date outfit. You look great, so. So impromptu. Luckily, I do know there's at least one great place in Times Square for cocktails. Um, you can sit there. You can hold this. It's disinfected. Wow. Oh my God, I feel so uh, official. Hey, Nick, I have a microphone in my hand. Hello, my name is Kenneth McCoy. Uh, I'm the owner of the Rum House in Times Square in New York City. I grew up here. I've lived here my entire life. When you would come here in the 80s, I mean, it was it was pretty rough, to be honest. I can remember being here as like, you know, like a 14-year-old kid and like trying to get fake IDs. It's funny because I used to go to shows at the Edison Ballroom, which I guess in its heyday was like where Frank Sinatra would record and that sort of thing. When I say heyday, probably like in the 40s or something or in the 50s where people would go see a show, go have a cocktail somewhere, go have dinner. I was like, you know what? Maybe we could open up something like that. The Rum House is a cocktail bar connected to the Hotel Edison on West 47th Street. It's right across from the Barrymore Theater, where currently, giant photos of Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker float above the sidewalk. The space inside is filled with dark wood features, deep maroon chairs, and booths. There's a piano in the corner that sees plenty of action during the evenings. It basically screams classic New York with some modern touches. Kenny himself wears a blazer with sneakers and a baseball cap. The one thing that I will say about this place that I love is that is a constant, total, like, variety of people. You've got, like, Morgan Stanley business guys sitting next to a stagehand, sitting next to a theater director, an actor, a model, some musician. And then you've maybe got somebody in for a convention who's staying at a hotel around the corner. And when you kind of put them all in the room together, it's, it's quite interesting. Along with expertly mixed cocktails like the cold brew, rum, and egg white containing Starfucker, the Rum House has a reputation for being an excellent place to catch some raucous live music in an intimate space. On any given night, you might stumble in and find some musicians fresh off Broadway. And they'll do anything from like Radiohead to like Ella Fitzgerald. And for movie buffs, you might recognize the Rum House from the Oscar-winning Alejandro and Yaritu film Birdman. There are people who stroll by, you will hear them and they'll go, that's the Birdman bar. Or there's people that walk in, take a picture and walk out. You know, Michael Keaton's been in a bunch of times and I forget the actress's name that was in that. Emma Stone. She was in here one night with Bill Murray and they were playing piano. The Rum House is the kind of place that will make you think, maybe there is something cool happening in Times Square. I mean, I think for a long time, Times Square had a bad rap. It definitely has a lot more of a shiny sort of Disney feel to it. But I do think that there are places to see here. I do think there's something worth coming to see. I think it's also just part of New York City history. Joe Allen's is around the corner. I think that's a wonderful bar. It has a wonderful old New York feel to it. It's been there probably for at least 25 years, you know? And that's on Restaurant Row, where there's probably a lot of other places that are a little like, oh yeah, that's a tourist trap. But that place is great, man. 
So after a couple starfuckers, we took Kenneth's advice and went to Joe Allen's on Restaurant Row. It's a couple steps below street level and totally cavernous, filled with men in fedoras dining alone, couples seemingly about to go catch a show, and now us. I think if you were like a theater geek into musicals, this is a great place because a lot of these posters are, I assume, like old school Broadway posters. Joe Allen's is the type of classic New York place that really can't be considered a hidden gem, but it's definitely the type of spot that you won't find on any best restaurant list. It's not trendy, but it is a fantastic, unpretentious place to post up at the bar with a martini and eat one of the most underrated burgers in town. And they gave you a ton of wine. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when eating out in Times Square, you have to be a little selective as many of the places around are geared towards ripping off tourists. But for lunch or an early dinner, you can head to 47th and 6th for some stellar kosher Uzbek food at TomTop, which is on the second floor above a Diamond District jewelry store. For something super quick and small, you can't do better than the diminutive Los Tacos Number 1 on 43rd and 7th. You will have to brave a kind of long line no matter what time it is, but trust me, it is worth it. All right, so Joe Allen's was a big success, right? Definitely. Great burger, great date so far, I would say. Are you actually gonna use this? I'm totally gonna use this. <laughs> <laughs> and now what are we gonna do? We're gonna walk around Times Square a little bit? Yeah, let's go see the lights. Yeah. Big city, big light. Exactly. We headed out into the bright lights of Times Square to soak in some local culture and, hey, even a little bit of art. Here we are, we're right in the middle. Whoa, what's that? I know exactly what that is. <laughs> what is I really that? do. What she's looking at, and what many people are looking at, is a 12-foot-tall pink and purple statue that actually houses an interior fountain. It's an art installation by the artist Pamela Council called the Fountain for Survivors. On the exterior, it is adorned with 400,000 acrylic nails in these beautiful mosaic patterns that were all placed by hand. This is Jean Cooney. She's the director of public art for Times Square. She helped facilitate this installation, which you're hearing right now, and all the artwork you see in Times Square. It's pretty beautiful, actually. You know, why present art in Times Square? I think people look to Times Square. It's an incredibly iconic place, and it holds a lot of power in that sense. And so to hand that platform over to artists, I think is incredibly important. Jean and her team work hard to incorporate a layer of culture on top of what most people might consider New York's least culturally viable area. Yes. So Max Newhouse's Times Square, it's an unmarked sound installation um, at the north end of a triangular pedestrian plaza it, right at basically 46th and Broadway. And it is very easy to miss. It is a piece that was installed initially in 1977 underneath the grates of this plaza. It's a humming sound and it's, it's this low reverberation. It feels as though it could be part of the cityscape and the soundscape of, of the streets, but it has this kind of warmer, almost unfamiliar tone to it that once it stands out, it's kind of really a pleasure to hear. But Jean admittedly also enjoys Times Square for some less highbrow reasons. It's almost a judgment-free zone, which is kind of a hard space to find in New York. 
a handful of friends and I went semi-ironically to send your frogs on a Saturday night. And we ended up having the absolute best time for that very reason, that, that complete lack of pretension. And no one is laughing at you because you have a balloon hat on. I mean, at one point, the service staff and the guests all got up in a conga line. It was a blast. Senor Frog, sadly, is closed now, but luckily there are still places around the area to secure a pretension-free late-night drink. I think I'm going to get the Lindsay Lohan cocktail. (laughs) The Russian vodka room on West 57th is a lounge featuring casks of infused vodka. So we're going to drink some vodka, right? Yeah, which, like, doesn't really go with the rum. That was hours ago. My mom told me never to mix. And some really great Russian dumplings. And a variety of live show music. But the Russian vodka room is another place you won't find on many travel guides. Though it's so, so great for people watching and having a nightcap in Midtown. Okay, fair enough. That's just like gushers, (laughs) like liquidated into a cocktail. (laughs) It was the perfect end to a surprisingly great Times Square date. Do you think that overall this has been a fun date in Times Square? I always like to come to Times Square with you. (laughs) Thank you. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we go to the dive bar that somehow has lasted in Times Square, and we'll hear from two very, very famous people. Stick around. So the next morning, I actually had a work call with two friends of mine, and I thought I'd ask them about Times Square. I mean, the people watching, I've been down there for New Year's, and and the people watching is probably... One of the most amazing, you'll find the most eclectic mix of folks. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to New York was in Montrose, and it just blew my mind. I mean, I, I, I thought I would just died and went to heaven. I'm going, man, this is it, brother. I would have given anything to see a Montrose in New York concert. Jeez. Uh, the Palladium, baby, opened up for the pie. I would have lost my you mind. Okay, so full disclosure, the friends I'm talking about are Guy Fieri and Sammy Hagar, formerly of Van Halen. I was talking to them about their actually pretty great tequila, Santo, for an article. But naturally, I steered us towards Times Square to see if they had any advice as two worldly men like themselves would. It is crazy. Do not get me wrong. You really do need to know the lay of the land. From everybody I know that goes on a regular basis, they they love it. Um, and New York just has so much to offer. I mean, it really is probably one of the greatest destinations in the world for food and for entertainment. There's everything from the street performers to Broadway to the concerts. I mean, they got it going on. Oh, one thing to do, carry a flask with some Santo in it. So I'm actually not supposed to bring flasks to work stuff anymore, but I did the next best thing. Surprisingly, there's a pretty cool and old and not pretentious dive bar right in the middle of Times Square. It's easy to miss if you don't know where to look. My name's Michael Doherty and I'm a bartender here. Were you a fan of before you were Very much so. Uh, years, I mean, you know, if you come to Times Square, you get the Jimmy's because where else are you going to go? It's really, it's the best bar in the neighborhood. The prices are cheap, the people are nice, you get great conversations. It's a real bar. Uh, my boss always says it's a neighborhood bar without a neighborhood. 
On West 44th Street, less than 100 yards from the center of Times Square, you'll find a small bar with an old blue awning tucked between hotels and parking garages and nondescript Irish pubs. This is Jimmy's Corner, not only one of the best bars in the area, but one of the best bars in the entire city. I remember the blackout in 2003. Me and my mom bartended that entire night. My dad was here, we worked together. It was the busiest night that Jimmy's ever had. And we were the only place open because we were the only place that could keep our beer cold. Being the three of us, like in here working, we worked till six in the morning. That, that may be one of my best memories because I just, it's when I learned to be a bartender and it's also like the first experience that I had with my parents where they really were like, oh, you could run this place. Adam Glenn, who I'm speaking with at a table in the back of the bar, is a graduate of Harvard Law School. He runs a boxing managerial company. And now he also runs Jimmy's, which reopened a few months ago. It's been closed for the majority of the past two years after being open since the early 70s. So my parents met here. My mom was a bartender here before it was Jimmy's. My dad wasn't in the bar business. He was uh, actually in the hat and wig business and in boxing. He has this 70-year career in boxing as a manager and trainer and cut band, just like a general good person. Like people come to me and say, I only met your dad once or twice, but like what he told me that night or what he said meant a lot to me. And you know, this bar has allowed that, it's facilitated that. Jimmy Glenn, Adam's dad, was friends with Muhammad Ali. He was a local New York City celebrity. Eventually, he bought the bar where he met his future wife, and it became an institution in itself. Last year, at the age of 89, he passed away from complications due to COVID. Adam's mother, who was originally from Poland, passed away several years earlier. But for him, Jimmy's is more than a bar. It's basically his home. We used to eat Thanksgiving dinner here. We, you know, I'd be here two in the morning playing checkers with my dad, like when I was 10 years old. So there's so much of my family history here that it just, it feels great being in here. I miss, uh, you know, people ask me like, oh, is it hard because you miss your dad? I miss my dad all the time. Like I feel closer to him here than when I'm anywhere else. And I know how much he loved this place, like, you know, when I reopened this place, it was one of the prouder things I've done because I know how happy my parents would have been. Like, reopening the place and getting back to it, is such, it would have been such a huge deal for them. The drinks here cost 3 to $5 mostly. The jukebox is filled with old Motown standards. The walls of the space are covered with boxing posters, including a rumble in the jungle print that Jimmy purchased himself at the actual fight in Zaire. There's countless newspaper clippings, and plenty of photos of famous regulars. I remember like Drew Barrymore used to come here in her like early 20s when she was, in her like party days, but I was, I was in like middle school and it came out in the paper and all my friends were like, when can we go? Cause like everyone had a crush on Drew Barrymore. And it's like, one, you can't. Two, like, I don't think she wants to be bothered by a bunch of middle schoolers. De Niro used to come here. So he made them shoot a part of Raging Bull in this bar. And Adam still lives in Times Square, just a couple blocks away. He's seen the area change from a gritty neighborhood to a tourist attraction. But he still believes it's very much worth seeing. Should you still go see it? Like, yes, of course you should. It's something to see and it's something to experience. And the idea that, you know, 
the greatest theater and music in the world is right here and some of the best food in the world is right here and you're going to avoid it because there are tourists here. Like, tourists go to places that are good usually. Like, you know, when I go to other cities, I don't skip the touristy things because, oh, it's going to be crowded. What makes New York special is the fact that everything is compacted, it's put together. And it's like what I love about New York that rich rich and poor aren't separated. Black, white, Hispanic, they're not separated. You see all those people every single day. And that's part of Times Square. Like everywhere you go, you're gonna see everything. Like I just, I love this city and this is an integral part of the city. And Jimmy's hopefully will always be an integral part of Times Square. Every time I walk through that door, even though my parents aren't here, they're here with me. And so everywhere I look around the bar, I see them like my mom greeting me when I come in, my dad sitting. This is exactly what it's been for 70 years, right? We've fixed a few things and we've changed a few things, but for the most part, we're the same place and we have the same spirit in the place. So at this point, I found bars and restaurants and culture that's helped me appreciate Times Square. But no trip down here would be complete without walking around the center of the square super late at night and talking to the many characters who inhabit this world. First off, on the corner of Broadway and 48th, there's a streetcar vendor who really does look a lot like Bill Murray. And when he tells you he can make you a, quote, special hot dog for $10, you should definitely say yes. What you want? What, what did you put on the thing you gave me? The hot dog. Oh, okay. I give you onion. I give you paper. I give you a tomato, I give you a little bit of chicken. For what? Yeah. For you, this is a chicken. That's what it was, For right? you, this is a chicken, is good. You yeah. coming back for me. No. Okay? Yeah. I liked what he made me so much, honestly. I stuck around and helped him wrangle a few new customers. You, you will not get a better meal for $20. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, it's really expensive Everybody, here. Everybody, give me $20. Give me $20. Give me $20. $20. Come in here. $20? Oh, Come in give you $20. Give me. I, I don't work for this guy. We're just friends. He works with me. No, I do not. Thank you. No, really. How long have you been doing this for? This car? Yeah. 10 years. It's also worth playing chess with Duffy Square's chess master, Daryl, who very abruptly left me in charge of watching his whole entire setup, which was like two tables and boards and clocks right in the middle of Times Square. Yeah, I gotta go to the bar. I'll be right back. Two seconds. Where are you going? Two blocks. Let me do two blocks. Two, two minutes. Blocks? Two okay. minutes. I'm gonna say two minutes. I'm gonna grab something, you know. Uh, what, what do I gotta do if somebody's like, hey, I wanna play chess? And they're like, just stay here. And they wanna play, tell them to sit there. Hey, I know. It's, I'm, uh, I'm watching this chess master's boards for him. Yeah. I know you don't think I'm gonna leave you. With all my stuff that I have fun with at 60 years old. I'm sorry. Well, I, people were asking me, hey, what are you doing here? Are we playing? What people ask you? On the phone? No, those guys over there. Well, tell them to sit down. They asked you? Yeah, they were really? like, what's going on? What'd you tell them? Hey, you want to play? So on the subject of public bathrooms, the biggest and nicest public restrooms can be found on the eighth floor of the Marriott Marquis. Just walk in like you're supposed to be there and make a beeline for the elevator. Don't travel in big packs and don't make eye contact with anyone that works there. Okay, 
back to the streets. Yeah. Hey, let's whisper. Hell yeah. And of course, I had to speak with some of the square's resident superheroes. Spider-Man. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, what's your experience working in Times Square? Oh, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Um, I tell people, if you want to make money out here, literally be your inner child and express how you what, what you love to do, and the money will come to you and attracts to you. For me, I love dressing up as Spider-Man, so I've been doing it now for the last three months, and I make at least a nice uh, hundred hundred a night. Well, it was a couple fighting. Man and woman, and just got out of hand out of nowhere. A guy came out with a knife to protect the girl. Oh, God. Me and Spider-Man ran into the uh, streets to be like heroes. No yep. way. Yeah. Real life superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> we were taking pictures in front of Starbucks here. Makes no sense. I need to go back to Jimmy's. After a great night's sleep, the next day, I met back up with Tom Harris, the president of the Times Square Alliance, and Regina Fojas, who's the vice president and chief of staff. I found them in the Walgreens at one Times Square, where I would conclude my mission in a very famous location. You're gonna get a workout. We're gonna be walking up a couple of flights. Uh-oh, okay. I brought my inhaler, just in case. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I did, but I won't do that. 2,688 Waterford Crystal Triangles are bolted to 672 LED modules which are attached to the, to the Those board. are changed every year. Whoa, why are they changed every year for? Because of the theme of the design. Wow. Wow, there it is, damn. That is so cool. Do you ever get sick of doing this? No, never. Yeah. <laughs> the top of one Times Square with the ball. This is great. We're excited that you were able to join us and uh, if any yeah. of your, your listeners want to come create their new Times Square memories, we're open. Reflecting on my journey just feet below the legendary New Year's Eve ball, I have to say it one more time for everyone on the streets, all the people in the back, or just anyone who zoned out through this podcast. I heart Times Square, and you should too. I think I'm going to go get a taco. Oh, at Los Tacos? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. Special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. We are taking the week of Thanksgiving off, but we'll be back in December. Hope to see you there. Bye. <laughs>